what they did was they made uh, people resign and they said if you resign you'll get so and so many benefits and if you don't you won't and we have the recordings of hr calling up people saying this and um, in other companies the case is also that people are benched for a long time and they are not given any work they're given less pay and they just leave out of frustration or they made to leave and so on that was the voice of jai vipra of the all india it and ites employees union or the aiiteu which is i quote organizing to improve working conditions in the technology sector in india and to build a better future for the industry jai was speaking to me about some of the management practices at some of india's largest it firms during the early months of the covid-19 pandemic for several years now we have all to some extent been part of a global conversation on the power of technology firms one that reached fever pitch following the american presidential elections of 2016 it is included often intersecting themes such as privacy and surveillance electoral manipulation and democratic backsliding the sourcing practices of hardware firms misinformation hate speech and censorship algorithmic bias and the frightening capabilities of machine learning and artificial intelligence ownership structures and monopolies and exploitative labor practices in gig and platform work You're listening to the Nagrik podcast. My name is Aju John and on this podcast we learn together to become better at public life. In the previous episode of this podcast We learned about how delivery workers and app-based drivers were organizing for greater fairness and transparency and better remuneration and other conditions of work. Before that, we learned about what the ongoing campaign for a just and equitable COVID-19 vaccination program can learn from the global campaign that delivered significantly cheaper medicines during the AIDS crisis. This podcast is available on all major podcasting platforms. All you have to do is go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean or Google Podcasts and search for The Nagrik Podcast. When you find our feed, you will also find the older episodes of this podcast, including the story of how Dr. B.R. Ambedkar, R.B. More and their colleagues organized to claim the right to access water at the Chaudha tank at Mahadin Maharashtra. If you then click subscribe, you will also get to know when we release a new episode india was also part of the so called global reckoning on technology in india we spoke about privacy and digital exclusion when the government forced through the implementation of aadhaar its biometric identification system about network neutrality when facebook introduced its limited version of the internet 
about the foreign ownership of software products during border skirmishes with China, about waves of anti-minority hate speech coursing through social networks, about the state surveillance of political opponents and human rights defenders using military-grade technology, and about the widening digital divide when the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic forced schools to adopt online learning technology. In recent months, we have also got to know more about the poor quality of the gig and platform work that has emerged during the past decade. And as in the last episode of this podcast, listened to some organizers at the forefront of articulating demands for better conditions there. I think one thing is definitely we need a more socially conscious engineering program for our graduates, right? Like it can't just be about creating tools and putting tools out there uh, or creating new innovations. Uh, I think so that education at that very early level and serious education, right? Like it's not just about like having a course that nobody really attends and everybody bunks, but creating spaces where you can have these conversations in engineering schools, right? Like, because if you have the power to make something, you need to realize uh, with, uh, I mean, not a horribly quote like Spider-Man, but like with a certain power of making things, you have that responsibility on society because what you make is not, is not a toy anymore. Do you take a step back and look at how does this affect the other actors in the system that I'm making uh, is something that's missing today. And I think that's something that's missing even in like MBA programs, right? Because again, the goal is very singular, which is about creating wealth uh, and making money. Uh, and so every and so when every single decision is rooted in how you can aid the creation of profits, then those profits will always come at the exploitation of somebody else, right? It's, like it's impossible to create substantial, like it's impossible to create like billion dollar unicorns without exploiting that amount of labor from a set of working, from like a working class, right? Uh, so uh, that's one. Uh, the other thing that I think India really does not have a good digital uh, regulatory framework, right? Uh, we don't have any concrete laws. And I think the existing government isn't really doing a lot to help us achieve that, right? It's always like either ban this and promote this or, you know, ban that. And uh, it's banning based on convenience, based on dissent and not really understanding uh, how technology can work and who really controls this technology, right? Like we can't have a few Adanis and Ambani's sort of controlling pretty much the entire technology or, or for, I mean, specifically in terms of technology than the Nilaykanis and like we can't have a few people controlling the entirety how uh, tech works in India. And, uh, and and funnily, if you really look at it, right, uh, we have a body called NASCOM, right, which is supposed to look at or creating some framework within which technology needs to operate. Uh, but if you look at who is a part of uh, NASCOM, it's essentially your executives, right? Like it's almost like a union for executives where they collectively come together and push back against laws and, you know, frame laws that they think are going to aid their own businesses. Uh, but we really don't have that for employees, right? So you definitely need to push back on that day-to-day basis. I think, I think the first step is realizing that what you're building is not something that you want to be building, right? Like, I think having that consciousness to say, hey, I am building a surveillance tool and there's probably a million people in this country that don't have any form of digital access. So when I make this tool, these people are probably not going to be, not going to be able to get their rations or not going to be able to get like access to basic uh, healthcare if I build this platform. That was the voice of a founding member of the Tech Workers Coalition in Bangalore who did not want us to use his name. The TWC is, I quote, a coalition of workers in and around the tech industry, labor organizers, community organizers, and friends, stop quote, that is guided 
by a vision for an inclusive and equitable tech industry. The increased public scrutiny of the technology industry around the world coincided with the sheen coming off India's information technology sector, which claimed export revenues of nearly $100 billion in 2020 and employed nearly 4.36 million people. A sector that had made claims to providing a path towards upward social mobility through work to a large part of India's young workforce in the two decades that followed the liberalization of India's economy in 1991, it had emerged nearly unscathed during the global downturn of 2008. After 2015, however, stagnant wages and the long hours of work made it a less attractive employer, a trend that has continued into the difficult months of the COVID-19 pandemic. Let me talk about Cognizant over here. Uh, what happened was there was a spate of um, so-called layoffs in Cognizant during the first lockdown. And um, none of these processes were followed that they are supposed to follow. What they did was they made uh, people resign. And they said, if you resign, you'll get so and so many benefits. And if you don't, you won't. And uh, we have the recordings of HR calling up people saying this. And um, in other companies, the case is also that people are benched for a long time and they are not given any work, they're given less pay and they just leave out of frustration or they're made to leave and so on. So while the labor law provides certain uh, stipulations of how you're supposed to fire people, if at all, um, these are not f followed because there are always these, you know, side um, methods that you can take as a company that's where the precarity arises from because people uh, to fight this as a legal battle would take a long time and you never know how it's going to end and uh, people just don't want a bad reference for the next job as well so if uh, this is why they they think that because there are no opportunities outside you should keep a job you have and then they get exploited over how many hours they work and how long, uh, how much work they do in those hours and so on. So I, I think it's a, it's many different things instead of, you know, like uh, saying that X, Y, Z are the major issues. It, it's all these small, small ways in which uh, it is made known to workers that they are at the short, they're getting the short end of the stick in, in this bargain that we are seeing nowadays. And uh, this, uh, the early, the first phase uh, uh, gave a hope to the employees that uh, so once they start the work from home, they allow uh, their loved ones with them so they can spend more time with them. So uh, that was the initial, uh, I would call it the utopian dream employees had. But once it started, uh, people, or the employers started uh, worrying about the productivity. So they, they were uh, clueless or they were very much worried on what can be the uh, the possibilities or the employees most probably will not be working and they'll be still getting paid. So that was the concern uh, the employees had. So they started uh, bringing in a lot of measures to ensure employees work. For simple things like having at least two to three meetings in a day to ensure that the employees are working and to ensure the employees have started working in the morning and to ensure that by the evening, the work is done. If not, they would be continuing by con uh, by conducting a uh, in-between uh, meeting. 
so uh, at least three meetings com- every company now does and most of the time it is now on uh, communication than actually developing or engineering uh, things so uh, that is one uh, uh, kind of approach we see the other thing is to install monitoring tools so employee productivity so called productivity monitoring tools which will monitor your uh, keyboard activity mouse activity uh, and uh, will uh, report or generate a report stating uh, this particular employee has been awk for this much uh, time so this away from keyboard is a terminology uh, it's a concept basically that uh, if you are not uh, engaging in a, a key press for 3 minutes uh, or a mouse movement it would mark you as inactive which would be uh, uh, re- reflecting in a uh, in the report uh, day report daily report as non productive time so I- imagine if i uh, if i'm uh, interacting with a uh, client or a, on a team member with zoom which i need to communicate which i don't need to press any key that would be marked as away from keyboard so such a uh, 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 lot of uh, wrong uh, or uh, the mismanagement happened in the early phase uh, because of the uh, the concern employer has whether uh, the employees are working or not uh, but uh, over a course of time what happened they started doing at another uh, effort which is to reduce employee employment to threaten employees that if you if you don't work 12 hours or more you will be the next one to be fired so people started uh, uh, working in fear that they need to submit they need to complete their work uh, even though they know that it is uh, it will take more than uh, what uh, it does uh, in, uh, they can complete in eight hours but still because of the pressure of uh, losing of employment they started uh, working more time so these are the conditions in which the work time has increased in our opinion and from there now uh, what we find is uh, women are uh, working both doing both the care work and uh, uh, professional work and men are now uh, trying to be 100% uh, on work from home uh, on the professional uh, aspect so it is almost like for both the genders and the other uh, as well it is uh, getting up in laptop and uh, sleeping at the laptop so it is laptop to laptop is what the scenario right now is that was the voice of alaganambi welkin the general secretary of unite the union of it and ites employees that works to obtain and here i quote job security decent working conditions and a democratic workplace stop quote this episode of the nagrik podcast is the second and final part of a series on labor organizing in technology in the last episode we learned about how mostly blue collar workers were demanding better conditions in gig and platform work These workers are part of what is known as India's informal sector. A significant majority of work in India, more than 90% of it by most accounts, is performed through informal forms of employment. This means that the work is done without a written contract, paid leave, health benefits or social security. Broadly speaking, informal workers do not benefit from the protections of labor law. That is not the case with work in India's IT sector where employment remains highly sought after. In this episode of the Nagrik podcast, 
we will learn about how these white-collar workers are organizing for better working conditions. But before we proceed further, we need to understand the history of India's information technology and information technology services sectors and work in those sectors. For that, we can listen to Devika Narayan, a post-doctoral researcher at the Said Business School in the University of Oxford, where she co-leads a research project on the digital transformation of work. I would like to just demarcate between a couple of phases, um, with the first one being sort of pre-1991 or pre-90s, um, and then the second one being, say, 1991 to 2015, and then this current phase that we're in the last six years and moving forward from here. Um, and really, the sector kind of began taking off in this particular trajectory in the 90s um, with companies in the West, in the US and in Europe increasingly discovering the kind of cost saving potential of offshoring their own kind of internal IT um, requirements and processes to, to Indian um, locations. Um, and that began in the, in the mid to late 90s and then and then there was a boom, um, say 1999 to 2008, um, like a, just an explosion of the volume of work being offshored, of the size of these companies in India, um, an increasing number of firms um, in the software sector kind of moving into IT services. Um, and so that, ha and, and, and really the first phase um, the most important part of that in the 80s and, you know, post-independence is the um, emergence of an higher education uh, sector that was state-supported, state-funded, um, that really produced this, um, what would later become this workforce um, um, that would support this boom in the IT sector. Um, so that really is the most important part I would like to highlight about the post-independence phase um, is the creation of this infrastructure, um, this large English-speaking English -speaking, uh, population um, with access to technical training um, that was entirely state-subsidized, um, which then paved the way for this moment in the 90s where where um, where increasingly companies start offshoring back office processes. So that's really what India, companies in India do. Um, they tend to the internal IT systems of the world's largest corporations. Um, so everything from Walmart to Shell Oil to John, Johnson and John, Johnson to uh, Mercedes-Benz, the largest kind of most prominent companies in the global economy all have ties to the Indian IT sector. It's just much cheaper for them to hire um, Indian engineers, Indian managers, um, Indian professionals based in India rather than for them to hire locally. Um, that really, I mean, that that, that is the, the dominant rationale for offshoring. Um, and so in order to benefit from the relatively uh, cheaper infrastructure, um, land, um, worker base in India, they, they begin 
this you know this wave of of offshoring um and that's really where cities like bangalore uh, come into the picture as um the kind of national hub in india um and so so what happened was that um these companies in the these client companies in the us and in europe uh were investing heavily in their own internal it systems um and they started um hiring people in these remote locations in these offsite locations in in bangalore in chennai in hyderabad um and 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 indian companies like like uh, tcs wipro infosys those companies really just kind of took off um after 1999 um and to the extent that they now have you know between 100000 and 300000 or even larger you know really massive uh, employee um, bases on the one hand what do the critics say the critics say that look this is a sector that gets so much kind of state support and state you know patronage in terms of tax breaks in terms of access to um cheap resources and infrastructure and it simply does not it's not proportionate to the actual number of employees that um are absorbed by this sector right and so there is this mismatch between the level of um um institutional and state support with the uh, proportion to the working population that is actually absorbed by it but having said that um the fact is that in india it represented um continues to represent one of the few avenues um uh, that enable a, 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 a you know a career or enable jobs in the formal sector um and it and not just that it's one not not only is it one of the few routes into the formal sector and formal employment in a country that is dominated by the by the informal economy um but it also was one of the few ways of gaining kind of upward social mobility so uh, even though you know it, it you know a large number of people who we would recognize socially as being elite uh, uh gain entry into the sector simultaneously represents one of those uh um few few ways of of aspiring toward upward um social mobility so it does have a large section of non elite indians who 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 see you know it as this kind of aspirational um career um and so and 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 that's what we've seen we've seen this boom in engineering colleges and engineering institutes in smaller towns in india um it's not just a story about the iits you know uh, after the boom um and and you you so so you see a kind of fairly relative certainly to to other occupations in the formal sector you see a more diverse uh, working uh, population or employee base um and 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 so which is why i would say that you know this is this is a significant sector for all of these reasons
you're listening to the nagrik podcast India's information technology sector dodged some of the worst consequences of the global economic downturn of 2008. By 2015, however, fundamental technological shifts and deeper problems in the Indian economy had caught up and caused it to slow down. How did those changed circumstances affect work in the industry? Let's return to Devika Narayan. what i would say is that post 2015 there was this um there were these new technological trends that were um were 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 accelerating um and there was this sense that the market for it services was undergoing a significant shift um and that's actually one thing i would like to highlight in terms of what shapes what are the forces shaping the indian it sector um i i want to emphasize that this is an export oriented industry which means that something like 80% of their revenues come from um the us economy and the european economy and so any shift that happens over there right if there are new patterns in it expenditure in these economies if there are no new if their client firms start behaving in new ways if if um it expenditure it budgets you know what these companies are spending on how they are spending it shifts it has a direct effect on um the indian it sector because of how closely connected they are to their client firms um so that that is one explanation is that you had these new kinds of companies that were suddenly out of nowhere seemingly entering the it sector like like amazon web services like microsoft all of these companies that suddenly began offering new products and new services um that had this kind of effect on this it sector um which changed or threatened to change the the nature of it expenditure so far um and so so it, it was an interesting moment where a lot of it you know uh, was based on on prediction and on working very close to clients and realizing they're looking to make new kinds of decisions they're not as interested in funneling all of these resources into their traditional it systems that they are increasingly interested in new forms of automation that they are increasingly interested in exploring new ways of organizing their internal it um and so one of the things i focused on was on cloud computing you know this idea that you can now as an organization we all of us do it as individuals all the time right like storing our data and using software that is 
um, kind of located somewhere else other than on our machines. Um, so companies do the same thing increasingly, right? Like they don't have to have tons of in-house um, IT, but they can access IT services and IT products remotely on demand from these large centralized um, data centers. Um, so that 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 was this new thing, this new trend that seemed to be accelerating, and that um, that that I the IT sector developed these really loose catchphrases to describe these technology shifts. They called it. Um, digital transformation, um, digital revenues, just this idea that we have to create new service lines that are not based entirely on the upkeep of existing um, IT systems. So, so the thing that I really want to talk about is the fact that officially there are no layoffs in the Indian IT sector. There is no, there's no paper trail. Very, very, very few people who have been quote unquote laid off will be able to show you a termination letter that says you are no, your services are no longer required. Uh, and this, the whole process um, between 2015 and 2000, late 2019, um, of getting rid of employees was so kind of informal, unofficial, all of these uh, these complex um, techniques of getting rid of employees such that there is no paper trail, such that uh, employees can't go to court saying that I was wrongfully terminated or um, anything that even gives you an accurate um, measure of how many layoffs actually took place um, none of that is available that information is not a, there was there's this number that in the in the press kind of was used and reused again and again which was 56000 layoffs um, my hunch is that that i mean i mean not my hunch i mean i strongly feel that that's like a serious underestimation of the number of people that actually lost their jobs in that time and it, it just became one of those statistics that's just easy to kind of reproduce um, but it, we don't actually know how many people lost their jobs because this is what would happen if you were just say like you know a, a typical IT employee in one of these uh, companies the the firm would give give you subtle and not so subtle cues and signals that you are no longer kind of a valued or valuable employee that you are dispensable you would be encouraged to quote uh, quote unquote put in your papers right so what you had instead was thousands of employees resigning from their jobs um uh, and and then becoming part of these kind of attrition statistics right so it was see so so you can just think of just how kind of fraught this process is by which you are able to coerce and persuade and convince employees to voluntarily quit um so so that's really what happened and so then you have to look at the lead up to this act of putting in your resignation papers 
how how did they how did companies manage to do this right like how did companies manage to um do this as one employee said um surreptitiously um so i would say in the beginning what they did was just use these kind of strategies of persuasion just you know where uh, your superior your boss would say look i, I I'm sorry but I really suggest at this point given your performance you just you know you you quit because it's better for your career it's better for your career to resign than to have a termination on your record and that was a powerful kind of um uh tactic of persuasion right like which is to say that nobody wants to be fired you don't want to be the employee who has been fired from a job uh, it looks bad calls into question your competence it's just better to make it look like a voluntarily vol- voluntary decision um and um so yes but then otherwise things were kind of mo- more individualized in terms of their responses right like people were were engaged in just trying to beef up their CVs to get these certifications on the side um and uh, and really just hustle as far as finding a new job goes uh and and yeah i was particularly struck by this one conversation where this fairly senior level manager was telling me um yeah the problem in the city sector is that we don't have collective bargaining and then he paused and he said i'm seeing that wearing the hat of a worker but if i were to wear the hat of a manager i'd say something entirely different so that just tells you you know the extent to which this particular subject position of these employees is quite complicated um most of the people who were laid off in this period were middle to senior level managers they weren't entry level workers entry level engineers at all because those engineers were still cheap for the company right it was these people who had been promoted into these um managerial tiers that were suddenly you know uh, a burden to firms um i found that people were quite willing to accept this narrative that they were kind of bereft of necessary skills uh that they no longer had technology skills that were desirable so there was this um this acceptance this sort of almost defeatism um that that accepted the company rhetoric you know i didn't find too many people who said hey they're just looking to cut costs you know that's all it is and i'm just sort of um you know collateral damage in in this particular um whatever industrial moment uh most people did have this profound sense of being um of being de-skilled one of them even used the term de-skilled to say that i've lost this managerial career i used to be an engineer this managerial career has um almost robbed me of my my technical skills um and to the extent that i no longer i can't remember the last time i wrote a line of code and this is the technology industry and so i'm kind of bearing the brunt of um of my own you know the the flip side of my career trajectory um 
and there were yeah there was just a lot of there was this rush to reskill to kind of figure out how to reposition yourself in this market as a desirable you know professional candidate um and i i the time when i did the interviews there were a fair number of people who were really struggling to find reemployment after having quit um and um and you know i i have found people who had also burnt out so the other thing i want to say in terms of the experience of kind of employee experience of all of this is that it's not just the people who lose their jobs that are directly affected it's people who hold on to their jobs but are very well aware of this threat this constant threat of potential job loss um and so that's really what i what i highlight is that you have kind of work like employee shedding or labor shedding on the one side but you have work intensification on the other side people now much more willing to work longer hours for you know for fewer uh, based on um fewer rewards right such as promotions and pay hikes um and and yeah so in terms of working hours the the kind of it sector was quite crazy when i was doing these interviews people were just working 12 to 14 hours a day in a city like bangalore which you know they would spend 2 hours a day on in traffic um and you know working on weekends and 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 all of that i believe was possible because of this you know this this realization that companies are letting go of people the increased precarity of work in the it sector became the cause for and the focus of workers coming together we return now to jai vipra of aiit eu whom you heard from at the beginning of this episode to learn how that union is organized right so the all india it and its employees union which is the union that i'm a part of is uh, affiliated to the center of indian trade union citu which is affiliated to the world federation of trade unions and um i mean it's registered it's a registered union i think it's the only all india registered union for in the it sector it's registered under the trade unions act um and yeah it, it we have as of now 3000 ish members and um all of there are some state level unions uh, it unions also affiliated to citu So if you count all of them together, there would be fifteen thousand or so members uh, affiliated to CITU um, in the IT or IDES sector. So um, our union um, defines IT workers and IDES workers broadly. So anyone who primarily engages with technology uh, in the workplace. to do their work and also anyone in it companies who may not be necessarily a technology worker so uh, canteen workers security workers so on everyone can be part of the union so there are the usual posts of you know general secretary joint secretary vice president so on um how do so there are also units that are geographically divided so there's a delhi unit for instance and uh, then there are unit conveners in those units who are the you know person accountable 
in that unit and decisions are usually taken you know quite democratically in that like i don't think there's anything we've ever done that hasn't been uh, signed off on by our members or has been you know not in the interests of our members so it's a really one of our efforts is to make our membership a really engaged membership because there's no uh, vital union without an engaged membership you know you can have thousands of members who don't really engage and you can say you're a mighty union but you need that energy and you need that commitment from your members so that's that's what we've been that's in the way that the union is run uh, any person any member comes up with an idea and they're happy to implement it seeing how other members feel about it so the python idea came from a member who was a tester in one of these companies and he said you know i want to expand my career opportunities can the union help me learn a programming language and that's how it was born and now it's a whole series so that's how the union works 2018 is where it was formed and uh, once registered it was affiliated to CITU so that's you you can see how that was its emergence and in Kolkata and um, yeah that, that's where it primarily started its activities in Kolkata the IT parks in sector 5 and so on and now it's expanding so we have presence in Delhi in Maharashtra in uh, also Karnataka and so on Conditions of work in the IT sector have perhaps worsened during the periods of working from home forced by the COVID-19 pandemic. Organizers have reported more intense surveillance of workers and increased hours of work. One thing is that there is excessive surveillance of workers when they work from home. There are all of these programs that track your keystrokes, they track uh, how long you're looking at the screen for and so on. And we think this is completely unnecessary to subject workers to this much surveillance. And there's, there are barely any privacy policies with the use of you know this data as well. The other is that simply working hours have shot up while working from home. So uh, we want also a right to disconnect at a given time. Um, but we also recognize that a lot of people um, see the value in working from home. So going forward, we would like this to be an option uh, that workers can avail at any time and can also unilaterally reject at any time. So uh, we want the usual things. So uh, a lack of surveillance, we want uh, the right to disconnect. We want companies to provide their own equipment for workers working from home. You want wages to be equal, wages of remote workers to be equal to those of people working from the office. And uh, yeah, we want working from home to be a choice going forward, of course, given how the pandemic shapes up. So right now, what the immediate work we are doing is we are uh, uh, exposing the uh, employer's uh, uh, ill doings and uh, which are uh, which were mostly uh, not exposed earlier. Uh, because of the contract agreement they have and uh, the media power uh, PR activities they are doing. So uh, we are now acting as a voice of voiceless and uh, uh, amplifying the uh, problems. That's the immediate day-to-day -day task we are doing. We are supporting the affected employees. Uh, daily people are calling us for help on uh, forced retrenchment, pay cuts and uh, uh, workplace issues. So we are providing legal and uh, support 
uh, in whatever means whatever means possible on uh, uh, how to overcome that how to handle that uh, and uh, third we are uh, working on the labor codes which are uh, uh, supposed to come on april uh, but uh, we, uh, based on our input it would come on the early 2022 and uh, when when the 20, when it comes uh, we we are we have uh, aimed to prepare or we have aimed to prepare subject matter experts which is basically on uh, employees rights uh, uh, before the uh, law or the courts are getting enforced in state and uh, that is the immediate uh, activities we are those are the immediate activities we are working on the long term goal we are trying to do two one uh, national and international level coordination we, we are uh, trying to establish through uh, citu and other uh, uh, unions Uh, along with other units and uh, uh, through which we think only then we can put a collective bargain uh, uh, or a meaningful collective bargain uh, opposing the uh, employees who are distributed across the country and two uh, we we are uh, working towards establishing uh, unions inside workplace level unions uh, because uh, unless until we have uh, organized employees in the union so in the workplace we will not be able to uh, win over things quicker because uh, labor courts and labor uh, de- uh, commissioner process conciliation process takes more than year minimum and 4 uh, to 5 years to get a judgment so this is not a practical uh, solution we want things to be solved in a weeks time so that everybody can get back to their work and start uh, going back to their life uh, years and years of uh, uh, dragging this labor courts are very painful uh psychologically and uh, financially it is hurtful to the employees and uh, uh that is why these two long term uh, plans we have uh i think right now a lot of how lot of the making of technology has been masked from the public uh and not everybody is aware of how decisions are taken uh there's no accountability there for any of these organizations right so something that we definitely want to do and i think given that we're all tech workers uh itself uh is to actually start putting out narratives on how these decisions are taken how products are built and what are the mains of reasons why this happens and what are the consequences of what uh, could potentially happen right uh, so that i think we get a larger purpose of tech i think one of the main things to do is definitely build our core tech worker base right like i think we are about like um, five or six of us who uh, uh, i would say meet irregularly uh, right now but how do we build that to like 100 how do we build that to like uh, you know 1000 people Uh, and at the same time uh, i think enabling them to also be part of unions right so it's not just about like being a part of tech workers coalition but i think a larger goal is how do we unionize tech workers across the country uh, and how do we give them assurances or give them a platform so that it's not a forced uh, like we don't want to force anybody to join a union right but how do you how do you realize that how do you have that consciousness to say okay I, if i don't join this then in the next 10 years this is what i see is going to happen right and the option is not just to quit to one organization and uh, you know jump to the next organization because every single organization has at its core the very same set of issues that stem from uh, the current practices that exist so how do you actually change those practices and how do you push back right so so i think we do want to like uh, see uh, uh, twc also has like a newsletter that currently comes out i think this is a us initiative but we do put out like uh, articles and uh you know uh, we write about like what's happening in the tech industry in india as well so that's a channel that we do uh but i think it's about like building these conversations 
and I think one of our main goals and I think something that we all really want to try is to have that sustained conversation, right? It's not about like, uh, it's not about coming together for an event and then dispersing and then really not talking to each other. But how do you, how do you have that shared bond knowing that you're fighting back against something that's like extremely huge uh, and at the same time, extremely, extremely important. Uh, because I think if we let um, sort of the stick dystopia take over, then uh, I don't really think, um, you know, it's not a world worth living where it, where everything is decided by, you know, technology that really doesn't understand humans right, at the end of it. That was a founding member of the Bangalore chapter of the Tech Workers Coalition, articulating a particular view of the role that workers unions have to play in achieving more justice and fairness in technology. The Tech Workers Bill of Rights that you can read in full on techworkerscoalition.org explicitly states that, and I quote, it is vital that workers gain the ability to shape the products we build and the work we do, stop quote, painting a radically democratized vision for the technology industry. At the moment, however, the power to make consequential decisions is concentrated in the hands of a few investors and executives. And uh, the fact that they need to be held accountable and that unions need to be part of the decision-making process that holds them accountable. So uh, I, I suppose the members want that uh, these companies not have the impunity they have currently, but also that it should be workers in the sector who get a say in the ways in which we are to hold them accountable as well. The next person you're going to hear from is Vineet Chandran, the secretary of Pratidhwani, a collective of Kerala-based IT employees. Vineet works at Technopark in Tiruvananthapuram, where over 450 technology companies employ more than 70,000 professionals. He spoke to me in Malayalam, so you will also hear an English translation voiced by my friend, the anthropologist Jagat Sohail. Okay, we started the Techno Park in 2012. It's not 2012, April. I was not in Sangarnade. I was not in Sangarnade. I was not in in I Film who had to bend the butter film in order to alpiri or national award Pratidhwani began work in Techno Park in April 2012. I was not part of the organization at that time. It was during the time of the protests surrounding the Delhi rape case. Several employees at Film club in the number film festival in the film festival is a short film festivals. IT employees in Wendy. The IT employees direct in the short films in the festival in Arthana. Other two thousand thirteen model, number show Narathana. Then there were many who were interested in film. There was a national award winning movie called Yari, directed by Suvira. It was not released in theatres, but we screened it at Techno Park. 
പിന്നീടാണ് ഓരോരോ മേഖലയിലേക്ക് എന്താണ് അടുത്ത അല്ലെ ഐ ടി എംപ്ലോയിസിനെ നമ്മുടെ ആ ഒരു കൂട്ടായ്മയെ നമ്മൾ എങ്ങനെ ബിൽഡ് ചെയ്യാം എന്നുള്ളത് അല്ലെ ഓരോരുത്തർ ഇൻട്രസ്റ്റ് അനുസരിച്ചുള്ള അപ്പൊ പല വിധത്തിലുള്ള ഇൻട്രസ്റ്റ് ഉള്ള ആളുകളുണ്ട് അപ്പൊ അവർക്ക് സ്യൂട്ടബിൾ ആവുന്ന തരത്തിലുള്ള പ്രോഗ്രാമുകൾ നമ്മൾ കണ്ടക്ട് ചെയ്യാൻ തുടങ്ങി അപ്പൊ അങ്ങനെ ലിറ്ററി ക്ലബ്ബ് രൂപീകരിച്ചു അപ്പൊ ലിറ്ററി ക്ലബിന്റെ ും മറ്റ് വായനാ ദിനം മാതൃഭാഷാ ദിനം അങ്ങനെയൊക്കെയുള്ള എന്തെങ്കിലും ഈവൻ പർട്ടിക്കുലർ ഡേയ്സിൽ നമ്മൾ പ്രോഗ്രാംസ് കണ്ടക്ട് ചെയ്യുന്നുണ്ടായിരുന്നു അത് ഇതാണ് ഇനീഷ്യലി രൂപീകരിച്ച രണ്ട് അപ്പൊ പിന്നീടാണ് നമ്മൾ വിമൻ ഫോറം വിമൻ ഫോറം ഇതുപോലെ വിമൻ എംപ്ലോയീസ് ഒരുപാട് ഉള്ള ഒരു മേഖലയാണ് ഐ ടി ആഫ്റ്റർ ബന്ധപ്പെട്ട ഒരുപാട് ഫുട്ബോൾ മത്സരം നടത്തുക അത് ഈ പ്രതിനിധിയിലുള്ള ഫുട്ബോളിനെ സ്നേഹിക്കുന്ന കുറച്ച് ആളുകൾ കൂടി നമുക്കൊരു ഈ ഒരു ഇവന്റ് നടത്തണം സംഘടിപ്പിച്ചു അത് ആറ് സീസൺ So is Prathidwini merely a literary and cultural forum for Kerala's IT professionals? Vineet told me that its purpose was larger. Employee shame is our primary agenda. We have to say that we have to start this mode. We have to say that ഫിലിംസ്റ്റ് 
ഇനിഷ്യലിയൊക്കെ <laughs> ബസ് കൂടുതൽ സർവീസുകൾ പാർക്കിനകത്തുകൂടെ വരാനും അല്ലെങ്കിൽ ലോങ് റൂട്ടുകൾ ഇപ്പൊ ഫ്രൈഡേസിലൊക്കെ കോട്ടയത്തേക്ക് എറണാകുളത്തേക്കുള്ള ബസ്സുകൾ അറേഞ്ച് ചെയ്യണം അപ്പൊ അങ്ങനെയൊക്കെയുള്ള ഒരുപാട് ആൾക്കാർ ഇവിടുന്ന് ബസ് കയറി കുറച്ച് ട്രാവൽ ചെയ്തിട്ട് പിന്നെ തമ്പാനൂര് പോയി അവിടുന്നൊക്കെ അങ്ങനെ പോകണമായിരുന്നു അപ്പൊ അത് നമ്മള് ഇടപെട്ട് കുറെ ബസ്സുകൾ ഇപ്പൊ ഫ്രൈഡേസിലൊക്കെ ഇവിടെ നിന്ന് സ്റ്റാർട്ട് ചെയ്യും അല്ലാതെ പിന്നെ റെഗുലറായിട്ട് ജയിലി ഡെയിലി വന്നു പോകുന്ന ആൾക്കാർക്ക് വേണ്ടി ഒരുപാട് ബസ് സർവീസുകൾ ഇതുവഴി വരാൻ തുടങ്ങി പിന്നെ ഓട്ടോ ഓട്ടോറിക്ഷയുടെ വലിയ പ്രശ്നം ഉണ്ടായിരുന്നു കാരണം ഈ ടെക്നോ പാർക്കിനകത്ത് ജോലി ചെയ്യുന്ന ആളുകൾ ഓട്ടോക്കാരുമായിട്ട് നിരന്തരം നമ്മള് തിരിച്ചറിയും അതിൽ നമ്മൾ കൂടുതൽ ഫോക്കസ് ചെയ്യാനും തുടങ്ങി പ്രത്യേകിച്ച് ടെക്നിക്കൽ ഫോറത്തിൽ നമ്മൾ ചെയ്യണതിന്റെ പ്രധാന ഉദ്ദേശം എന്ന് പറഞ്ഞാൽ അതാണ് നമ്മുടെ എംപ്ലോയീസിന് കൂടുതൽ നമുക്ക് ഗുണം ചെയ്യാൻ കഴിയുന്ന അവരെയൊക്കെ നമ്മൾ ഒരുപാട് ആളുകൾക്ക് ഇതുവഴി ഉപകാരം നമ്മൾ ട്രെയിനിങ്സ് പല 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 ടെക്നോളജിയിലെ ട്രെയിനിങ്സ് കണ്ടക്ട് ചെയ്യണം ഈ വർക്ക്ഷോപ്പ് ഇതെല്ലാം ഫ്രീ ആയിട്ടാണ് ചെയ്യണതുകൊണ്ട് തന്നെ ആളുകൾ പാർട്ടിസിപ്പേറ്റ് ചെയ്യാൻ തുടങ്ങി അപ്പൊ അങ്ങനെ ഒരുപാട് ആളുകളെ അങ്ങനെയുള്ള ഇവന്റ് ഇതിൽ പരിപാടികൾ നമുക്ക് ഇടപെടാൻ പറ്റിയിട്ടുണ്ട് പിന്നെ വെൽഫെയറുമായിട്ട് ബന്ധപ്പെട്ട് പറഞ്ഞാൽ നമ്മുടെ ഒരു വലിയൊരു നമ്മുടെ ഒരു ആവശ്യമായിരുന്നു നമുക്ക് ഈ ഐ ടി എംപ്ലോയിസിന് ഒരു വെൽഫെയർ ആണ് അപ്പൊ അതില് ഇപ്പൊ ചില കമ്പനികളൊന്നും അതിൽ അടക്കണില്ല പൈസ അല്ലെങ്കിൽ ഈ അതിൽ നിന്ന് 
ഐ ടി എംപ്ലോയിസിന് പ്രത്യേകിച്ച് ഒന്നും കിട്ടണില്ല അപ്പൊ അങ്ങനെയൊക്കെ ഉള്ള ഒരു പ്രശ്നം ഉണ്ടായിരുന്നു അപ്പൊ അതിൽ നമ്മള് കൂടുതൽ ആളുകളെ അതിലേക്ക് കൊണ്ടുവരാനും ഐ ടി എംപ്ലോയിസിന് വേണ്ടിയിട്ട് സെപ്പറേറ്റ് വെൽഫെയർ ബോർഡ് വേണമെന്നുള്ള ആവശ്യം നിരന്തരമായിട്ട് കഴിഞ്ഞൊരു അഞ്ചു വർഷമായിട്ട് തീർച്ചയായും For the past five years, we have continuously tried to have a dedicated welfare board for IT employees and we have started seeing some positive development. There is now a dedicated wing within the shops and establishments welfare board to consider the welfare of IT employees. That is a big achievement and we believe we can get a lot more things done through it, including better social security in the event of job losses. such as a job loss insurance scheme adoru velli achievement ane ini adin adine base cheyidalle adu vali namaku oru vaadu karyangal cheyan pattum namaku vishwasam undu aaram namaku ee employees inde ee 20 plus 20 nalla adu adu aa contribution korchu kootugeyum enna ee job nashtamagunnalle anganeyukkulla karyangal karam ee pratheya chala european countries lekke ulladhu pole കുറച്ചുകൂടെ സോഷ്യൽ സെക്യൂരിറ്റിക്ക് വേണ്ടിയിട്ട് അതായത് ജോബ് നഷ്ടമാവുന്നവർക്ക് സഹായം ഇൻഷുറൻസ് ജോബ് ഇൻഷുറൻസ് പോലെയുള്ള സ്കീമുകൾ കൊണ്ടുവരാനൊക്കെ ആയിട്ട് അതിനാണ് നമ്മൾ ഇപ്പോൾ പ്രാമുഖ്യം കൊടുക്കുന്ന ഒരു പ്രധാന കാര്യം യു ആർ ലിസ്ണിങ് ടു ദ നാഗ്രിക് പോഡ്കാസ്റ്റ് മൈ നെയിം ഇസ് അജു ജോൺ episodes are available for free on all major podcasting platforms if you liked this episode please share it with a friend or a colleague or give us a rating it really is the best way that nagrik can keep doing its work as some of you know these podcasts are a part of nagrik open civic learning a project to reduce inequality in access to knowledge about law public institutions and civic and political participation Right now on www.nagriklearning.com you can learn for free from video lectures and other materials about advancing the rights of workers in supply chains about the rights of women to decent work and about community participation in the governance of India's forests Before this break Pratidhwani's Vineet Chandran was explaining the collective's purpose He also explained how it is organized നമുക്ക് മെയിൻലി നമ്മുടെ ഇതിന്റെ ഓർഗനൈസേഷൻ നമുക്ക് കൊച്ചിയിലും ഉണ്ട് ട്രിവാൻഡ്രത്തും ഉണ്ട് അപ്പൊ ഞാൻ ട്രിവാൻഡ്രം പ്രതിനിധിയുടെ സെക്രട്ടറിയാണ് അപ്പം ട്രിവാൻഡ്രം നമുക്ക് മെയിൻലി കൊച്ചിയിലാണ് അവർക്ക് അവര് കുറച്ച് കാര്യങ്ങൾ ചെയ്യണം എന്ന് ആഗ്രഹമുള്ള ആളുകളാണ് അപ്പൊ ആ എക്സിക്യൂട്ടീവ് കമ്മിറ്റിയാണ് നമ്മുടെ എല്ലാ പ്രോഗ്രാമുകളും ഓർഗനൈസ് ചെയ്യണം 
The executive committee of Pratithwani in Tiruvannathapuram has 260 members. It is the nature of our job that we will not find time to attend all these events. In fact, there are several events that I, even as a secretary of Pratithwani, have missed. So we need a lot of people in the executive committee and we entrust new people with responsibilities. ഇപ്പൊ നമ്മൾ ഡിജിറ്റൽ ചലഞ്ച് എന്ന് പറഞ്ഞ പ്രോഗ്രാം അതിന് മാത്രം ഒരു കൺവീനറാണ് അപ്പൊ ആ കൺവീനറെ സഹായിക്കാനായിട്ട് മറ്റ് എക്സിക്യൂട്ടീവ് മെമ്പേഴ്സ് ഉണ്ടാവും ഓരോ പ്രോഗ്രാമിൽ ഇൻട്രസ്റ്റഡ് ആയ അതിന് വോളന്റിയർ ആയിട്ട് വരുന്ന ആളുകളുണ്ട് അപ്പൊ അവരെ കൂട്ടി ആണ് നമ്മൾ പ്രോഗ്രാം കണ്ടക്ട് ചെയ്യുന്നത് നമ്മുടെ ഫുൾ ടൈം ഓൺലൈനാണ് അപ്പൊ അതിന് കഴിഞ്ഞിട്ട് ഇങ്ങനെ ഒരു മീറ്റിംഗ് കണ്ടക്ട് ചെയ്യാന്ന് പറയുന്നത് അത്ര എളുപ്പമല്ല അപ്പൊ അതുകൊണ്ട് അത് കുറച്ച് ഡിലേഡാണ് അല്ലെങ്കിൽ എല്ലാ വർഷവും നമ്മൾ ജനറൽ ബോഡി നടത്തും ആ ജനറൽ ബോഡിയിൽ നിന്ന് നമ്മളെ ഇപ്പൊ കഴിഞ്ഞ ഒരു വർഷം കൊണ്ട് നമ്മുടെ പരിപാടികളിൽ ആക്റ്റീവായിട്ട് വന്നിട്ടുള്ള ആളുകളെ അപ്പൊ അവരെയാണ് നമ്മൾ എക്സിക്യൂട്ടീവ് കമ്മിറ്റിയിലേക്ക് പ്രൊമോട്ട് ചെയ്യുന്നത് പിന്നെ അതിന്റെ ഒരു താഴെയായിട്ട് നമുക്ക് ുംറ്റിപ്പേറ്റ് മെമ്പർഷിപ്പ് ഫീ ഉണ്ട് നമ്മൾ അതും റീസെന്റ് ആണ് സ്റ്റാർട്ട് ചെയ്തത് ഇനിഷ്യലി അങ്ങനെ ഒരു പരിപാടി ഇല്ലായിരുന്നു റീസെന്റ് നമ്മൾ സ്റ്റാർട്ട് ചെയ്താന്ന് വെച്ചാൽ നമ്മൾ അതുകൊണ്ട് ഒരു ഇയർലി ടു ഫിഫ്റ്റി റുപ്പീസിന്റെ ഒരു ഇയർലി ഫീസ് ഉണ്ട് ഏർലിയർ ഇൻ ദിസ് എപ്പിസോഡ് ഓഫ് ദി പോഡ്കാസ്റ്റ് വി സ്പോക്ക് ടു സം ഓർഗനൈസേഴ്സ് ഫോർ ദി റോൾ പ്ലേ ഇൻ ചാർട്ടിംഗ് ടെക്നോളജി ഇൻഡസ്ട്രി ആൻഡ് ദ ഗവർണൻസ് ഓഫ് ടെക്നോളജി ഫോംസ് Pradithwini's approach, however, is very different. To begin with, it categorically does not see itself as a workers' union. There are a lot of things. We have to think about this mode. We have to think about this mode. We have to think about this industry. we have limitations we have chosen this model as the most suitable policies um allengi reethigal okka korche different ah namukku baakkulla oru vera oru vyavsaya meghalayayittu namukku compare cheyan pattilla firstly this is a comparatively new industry the practices and policies here are different and cannot be compared to other industrial sectors we do want 
that all the basic labor laws are complied with in the sector as well. But traditional trade unionism, at least the kind that we observe in India, is not applicable here. We have seen trade unions in the IT sector in Karnataka. But when we watch them, we feel that our interventions are able to achieve more. We don't see the employers as enemies, so we are able to speak to them. When it comes to job issues and salary issues, we are able to directly speak to employers and they are ready to listen as well. They have never questioned our credentials and they are usually willing to cooperate. We believe that we are able to intervene more with this model. But it's right that there are several wrong practices in this industry, especially at the current time. Work and working time are difficult. While Prithidhwani organized around culture to be able to better advocate for the interests of IT employees, the other organizations that clearly identified themselves as workers' unions provided legal support during times of employment uncertainty. Those were also the circumstances in which IT employees most readily saw themselves as a distinct class with interests that were different from those of their employers. We returned to Jai Vipra of the AIIT EU and then Devika Narayan of the Said Business School at Oxford University. It's also a, one of the things that uh, is a challenge in organizing people here is also that a lot of the contracts stipulate that you can't be part of a union. Yeah, I, I don't suppose a lot of them hold up legally, but it scares workers. So they, they say, well, you know, it would be illegal if I did this or it would violate my contract if I did this. So I don't want to. But one challenge in the IT industry is that um, in some states, they're exempt from the, uh, the entire industry is exempt from the Industrial Standing Orders Act as such. So which means that there aren't provisions for unions to be in these rooms where decisions are made. So, for example, NASCOM, the Employers Association, is the one that presents also the workers' point of view. So, they did so for uh, work from home, for instance. So, these are the challenges for uh, the usual process that you would expect for collective bargaining. But otherwise, uh, you do often use the um, law uh, you go to the labor commissioner uh, if there's a certain case or, um, you know, you go to the labor ministry as such. So uh, there are legal provisions that help you. It's sometimes a matter of following them. But of course, at other times, it's just a matter of uh, letting it be known that um, the employees or workers will stand united on a certain issue. So it, it, it's not always about... Um, following a, a certain administrative process. So there was in terms of the most quote-unquote proactive uh, 
kind of practice that some employees embraced and again i don't want to exaggerate it as like the dominant method by which people responded but it's still significant that uh, uh people did tie and approach labor courts you know and this again would have been unheard of managers in the it industry going to the labor court saying that labor law is applied to me um this is you know it's an unusual situation um and so there were you know a handful of people who who did attempt this who did attempt to argue in court that um that labor laws uh are applicable not just to the it sector but specifically to them um and 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 that was one thing that happened and that's possibly the closest i can think of as far as some kind of if you can call it col- collective action or taking recourse to some some you know institutional forms of um just addressing um this this kind this sort of experience um so there was that there were there were groups there were these small pockets of um employees who were uh, who were using this language of collective action um and calling out the industry for some of these practices but the people who i who you know the people who were doing some of this organizing work were were also who were you know the people who i kind of mo- interacted with they were extremely kind of committed to this and not only were they themselves working full time in the it sector but they were simultaneously doing this organizing work at the same time parallelly and they um and they yeah they talked about just you know the frustration of getting people to think of themselves as workers in this moment uh, in as needing collective representation um and being committed to that kind of building of this new association um and so on so it really was an uphill task and they would make these jokes about um oh, i just feel like i'm a you know i'm in in the business of career counseling rather than trying to build a, a union um so there it, it, it was this extremely tough um environment uh, to mobilize and they did mobilize around this issue of forced resignations that was the main thing that they would say they would try and communicate to their colleagues and say don't don't succumb to this pressure this is don't panic if they if you are asked to put in your papers these are the five steps you can follow these are numbers of lawyers these are this kind of step by step kind of call us if you are facing the pressure at the moment uh, and so they were they were flooded by phone calls you know just their phones were ringing non stop um and in in those particular periods of intense uh, when the layoffs were kind of most intense uh because if you really look at it on a day to day basis you don't really feel very exploited right like you have access to all of these like very cool things uh you have like really high salaries uh but one thing i think that's coming to the fore right now is you always uh, organize um for the most oppressed in that system right uh, and right now within those systems some of the most oppressed in india are like those delivery workers and the drivers who uh, who again when they started were you know there were huge promises made to them right uh, that they would earn like at least like 60 70000 a month and like you know they were given all these like benefits and um, so on and so forth uh but then i mean given free phones and all of that right uh, and then as it went time passed 
slowly everything was taken away and they, they were essentially caught in a trap uh, with it, from which they could not really escape right uh, so that's one and i think and i see a lot of work happening there today right like at uh, at that level where there are, there is a lot of organizing happening especially i think like uh, the food delivery workers like that's, a, that's becoming that's catching on like quite a lot of speed in india uh, as well as there have always been like, existing unions for drivers uh, now in terms of how much power they actually have uh, because of something i've also noticed is a lot of people don't really understand how this technology works and the people who understand how the technology works they don't really have the consciousness to support those uh, choices right uh, and so i think that's been one of the biggest challenges for twc because we i think consciously sort of decided at least initially we will not be looking at uh, drivers and the gig economy workforce uh, but we're trying to see how we can build consciousness within our own organizations and what does it take to do so right uh, like how do you create conversations in spaces which uh, for which the consequences of this could be quite drastic right like if your uh, if your uh, employer sort of comes to know that you are involved in some manner shape and form of organizing uh, then it's very likely that you're you know you are in a very precarious position at that point of time and you've seen this happen not just in india but even in the us right uh, a lot of the organizers are getting fired you, there's no real like uh, you know once you created that um, sense of once you uh, i would also almost say that once you admit that you want to organize then it's you against the managers right and you it's you against the people in power and and, and when that happens uh, you real uh, you are essentially put in a spot so i think that's uh, that's what we have been trying to do uh, i wouldn't say that we are very successful per se at least as of now uh, but one thing that we are uh, trying to do is how do we uh, and i think the question that's almost on all our minds is how do we create those dialogues and what are the conversations that people really care about right uh, and at every level there's like different layers of oppression so if you talk to the women uh, there are issues around like um, pay gap uh, there's issues around uh, how women are treated how women are hired um, all of these things that they uh, go through on a day to day basis uh, so how do you capitalize on those issues and make uh, and start having these conversations in the first place i think that's kind of where we are at with respect to tech organizing in india uh, and the unions have tried to fill in that gap but they have not really uh, i think the notion of what tech work means to unions today and how they are considering uh, and i'm not i don't want to generalize it by saying all unions uh, i worked with uh, aituc uh, recently uh, i think about last year and trying to see how we can leverage uh, the existing union structure to actually aid us in what we do uh, right whether it's in terms of providing resources or a general understanding of the law uh, or a history or general history of uh white collar workers unionizing in india right like uh, tech organizing is not a new concept uh, bank workers have always organized in india uh, i think uh, lic workers have always uh, organized as well. so insurance workers have always organized as well and they're all white collar workers and they still uh, and especially the banking sector the white collar union is fairly strong even to this day so is try to sort of understand that you as a you know you could be labeled whatever right like you could have the fanciest title in like a really fancy organization but at the end of the day you are still a worker within this capitalist system uh, and how do you actually make people realize that sometimes it's easy because there are cases where retrenchments are happening and workers obviously know that this is not good uh at other times it's a little challenging to build that consciousness among uh, it workers that they are workers and that they have so and so rights um, you know against the company uh, 
but to be honest it's becoming easier after after covid because uh as soon as covid struck we saw mass layoffs and you know often they were not even carried out in the legal way in the sector and so it became suddenly clear to everyone that uh, the level of precarity in their jobs was much higher than they thought it was and they could be dropped at any time uh you know despite it not being that bad for the bottom line of the company so um i guess the my response is that it was difficult to build that level of solidarity but uh, the status quo is changing very very quickly so it's a matter of being there as a union let me give you an example on may day this year we did a reading on the history of may day and it was all about fighting for the 8 hour work day right and after we did that reading people our members were surprised to see that the history of media has been so gory and so full of violence against workers for an issue that is important to them as well so it's very rare in india to find that it workers have an 8 hour work day in fact it's usually something like 9 to 10 hours and even if uh, technically it's say 9 hours the work assigned to them is you know is something that takes 10 hours or more so de facto you work a lot more hours and in the lockdown is even worse you're just sitting at home and working all the time so um, it's these issues through political education through letting them know that their struggle is not divorced from the struggles of other workers throughout history and even now letting them know how um, these changes in the world economy even or in indian laws affect them uh, that's how we're building this consciousness and this solidarity and we also use these points that come from our union discussions on social media so that these things that arise organically from members of the union are uh, propagated through social media so that other people who are not yet um, part of the union learn that they are facing the same problems as everyone else unions they always look at tech workers as like call center workers or service industry workers right like that's been their large area of focus because uh, essentially the masses are there right like you look at an organization like infosys tcs um, accenture they employ by the lakhs in india uh, and so they uh, and the work conditions are quite miserable there and so they've always focused on that sector as well uh, but now again with this whole rise of startups nobody really understands what it means and i don't think uh unions have really looked at how material shapes politics right um uh, it's uh, the focus has always been on how workers are treated as all, um but i think there's another dimension to this which is uh what are workers being paid to make and how how is the making and the material sort of uh, influencing or shaping the politics and the structures now going forward uh, right uh, so uh, and by that what i mean is like if you take an app like um, like if you take an app like swiggy right uh everything is made from like your user centered consumer's point of view uh, but every other actor in that ecosystem right from uh, restaurant chefs to restaurant owner to small restaurant owners uh, to delivery workers everybody uh, is uh, affected by this system right like the only ones who literally profit are your end customers and uh, the swiggy executives uh, but everybody else, but there are a lot of swiggy employees who actually make that software who make those decisions you know whether those decisions are about okay um, today we're going to show the delivery workers body temperature because you know people need to be safe 
but what about the safety of the delivery worker right like these are very conscious product decisions uh, that show up in very material forms in our daily lives and it's something that a lot of us take for granted uh, and it's not something that unions recognize the need to organize in those spaces as well so uh, how do you even create consciousness in terms of what you're actually making and how that impacts society and every single decision can't just be purely based on the bottom line of the company right so yeah it's it's a it's a really big challenge uh, but it's something that we need to start and i i don't think there's any silver bullet to do this i think it this is definitely going to take a lot of hard work having those difficult conversations finding allies uh, finding people who are open to it who are actually seeing how the world is working right as opposed to living in this bubble that hey uh, i made a product that reaches out to a million people but uh, not going beyond that to say uh, okay out of these million people how are people actually affected like how is my product changing their daily lives and what are they really feeling right uh, those questions are never really spoken about so i think uh, and that's been part of our interest as well because i think my background sort of comes from there uh, and the people we tried sort of getting into twc at a very early stage uh, also had very similar background so this is kind of uh, what we trying to do right we've had a few uh, petitions i mean there's of course there can be arguments about the value of petitions in general but it's also a tool for political education of our members and people outside so we've had petitions for instance to make uh, vaccines free and universal which partially has been accepted by the government even now we've had uh, we were at all of the protests in favor of farmers uh, and we were standing against the farm bills before they were made into law in fact uh, right when they were ordinances so we at in whichever cities we were in we were at those protests and we released statements against the explainers about these laws etc and uh, so th- this is how in by intervening in issues that are not necessarily about it is how we also build political education because uh, but then we also show how they might be related to it for instance the farm laws we talked about how uh, technological companies were interested in the farm laws and why uh, that would not mean technology for the people as such so tying these issues to their own industry but also showing them that there is a wider world out there which requires our intervention as citizens our intervention as political beings uh, this has been our effort and uh, we think it's been reasonably successful it it has not at all been difficult i think it has been quite encouraging our organization does not uh, represent the interests of gig workers but um, so the story is this while uh, last year during again i think right after the lockdown i think uh, swiggy workers in delhi went on a spontaneous sort of strike because they were not being paid what they were owed and their uh, pay was cut quite suddenly and it was members from our union who went uh, to the strike who attended the strike of swiggy workers who helped um, spread it over social media and through uh, through the news uh, who took these little videos and you know uh, made it quite easy to understand what the issues were uh, because and they did this because they realized that it was tech workers the so called white collar tech workers who write the code for instance or who create the technology that oppresses uh, gig workers right so um, it would not be possible to do this if uh, tech it workers were 
united and said we will not uh, create technology that uh, you know reduces the pay arbitrarily of uh, swiggy workers or zomato workers so uh, this this also led to the formation that time of the all india gig workers union which uh, uh, is for all gig workers whether you know they're food delivery workers or cab drivers or you know gen- general delivery workers you're listening to organizers in the it sector talk about the challenges and successes of developing among workers a consciousness as workers in that sector and about the role of technology in the wider world how have these organizers addressed the difficult challenges of covid-19 we start with alagunam welkin of unite so uh, people started uh, having uh, psychological distress which uh, uh, made people to uh, bring this up and they asked us what what can i do how can i solve this and uh, the early phase was to uh, console them to give them psychological support to uh, to basically talk to them and uh, how to address them but uh, that uh, since uh, that that was the early stage then after uh, uh, since after we discussed with multiple uh, company employees and we uh, came to know it is common across the uh, industry and uh, uh, nascom also started uh, organizing uh, panel discussions of employers at this point of time at the f- first phase uh, discussing on what are the measures what are the steps each company takes to uh, improve their productivity or to ensure the productivity so uh, that also clearly says uh, or the employers were clearly mentioning how they are improving the productivity by uh, creating new softwares or using tools to continuously monitor them by uh, using uh, automated screenshots or uh, recording your audio recording your uh, video without employees concerned and um, monitoring the away from keyboard all those things so uh, this uh, uh, once it came to us then we started uh, discussing about it so we went ahead and uh, conducted a survey so to objectively present it to the concerned stakeholders employer and the government we started conducting a survey so uh, we re- reached out to few hundred people in chennai and uh, they took part in the survey and uh, the survey result uh, was as expected so these members are not uh, union uh, the people who took part are not union members they are general it employees uh, very minor uh, are union members there the result came out is uh, something like this so uh, the young generation the below 5 years age group so they are inclined to move to office immediately so they don't want to continue work from home it is so stressful to them but uh, uh, 8 plus years uh, they are more likely or they want work from home to, to continue even the first phase uh, they want it to continue because they have more stable uh, understanding of the system and uh, defined jobs so they wanted to they want the work from home to continue and uh, uh, if you put all together uh, it is uh, Uh, just above the 50% uh, wants the work from home to continue and uh, uh, around 48 to 45 percentage want the uh, work from home to be discontinued uh, so uh, on the scale of uh, on the aspect of uh, gender so what uh, we find uh, women's responses uh, uh, we earlier thought uh, they would be finding it very difficult and they would be the ones who would be rejecting the work from home because of the care work they have to do and also the uh, professional work they need to deliver which is uh, now expected more than what they have to do in the office 
but on the contrary uh, women are preferring to work from home because uh, the uh, the reasons uh, two reasons i'll highlight one uh, they say the uh, sexual harassment or the uh, the predatory environment is not there so i would uh, prefer to work from home because it uh, it is safer i feel safer so that is one and two uh, i i would be able to maintain menstruation hygiene so i prefer to work from home so these are the uh, uh, re- reasons we find which are uh, uh, exceptional which we are we have not uh, uh, thought of and uh, which opened our life uh, opened our eyes and uh, gave a perspective which was not uh, uh, which we had not uh, which we did not have earlier and uh, from there we started uh, creating a white paper so we thought we we had the uh, uh, this uh, data and we have the all the graphs put in so we thought we'll re- release a white paper uh, moving towards a model uh, law so uh, we uh, studied uh, or we uh, searched multiple countries and how they do remote how they regulate remote work or regulate uh, work from home and we uh, found one uh, country's uh, law was more uh, favorable to us and we took that uh, so we basically took argentinian remote work law and uh, uh, we uh, took that as an inspiration and uh, we we drafted our own law we added few more uh, components to it like reducing workers to 6 hours per day because uh, unless until we regulate the uh, work hours in work from home we will not be able to uh, bring a divide between personal life and uh, professional life which is which the work from home has blurred there's no division between personal life and work from uh, or professional life right now so uh, the reducing work uh, hours became the first and primary demand to 6 hours or 30 hours work week and from there we we uh, demanded right to disconnect so right to disconnect uh, where employees after the work hours defined work hours should not or need not respond to the uh, uh, employee related emails sms phone calls which is now happening even late night people uh, find it uh, they take it for granted uh, uh, telling uh, or uh, assuming that since everybody is in home they should be available for work which is uh, totally against uh, the law and the uh, ethics uh, they uh, forget that they have a personal life and they have people around them who they should share their uh, emotional uh, uh, bond and also to uh, they have to spend uh, time to develop themselves uh that that is being ignored uh, in the current condition and followed by a set of rights where employees should uh, have a dignified uh, workplace even in the uh, work from home especially on the privacy aspect so those tools uh, the employers put to monitor uh, all the uh, aspects of employee video audio screen recording keyboard monitoring that has to be uh, brought into scrutinizing and it has to be regulated Uh, because it uh, fundamentally violates not only the employee's privacy but also their family privacy because employer can control what they can uh, or when they can switch on the uh, web camera or the audio the tools uh, the employee monitoring tools are so uh, powerful that uh, and uh, uh, the the capability they built built in are so much uh, discriminatory that they have something called shadow monitoring where the employee will not know that software is running at all but it can do all sort of uh, recording in all these aspects i just told so these kind of uh, uh, 
reports what uh, uh, made us to uh, prepare the draft and we prepared the white paper and we had that uh, draft in uh, as part of that the draft model law work from home law and we circulated to the labor ministry uh, in the state as well as in center at the same time uh, uh, nascom also gave a uh, report or the demand to uh, the central uh, ministries multiple ministries asking certain regulation change or the policy change for them to continue uh, work from home in a more uh, flexible manner so called flexible manner so they they asked simple uh, things like uh, don't we don't uh, we will not record uh, in and out time basically they will not uh, record the uh, work start time and work end time and uh, they they will not record the uh, or they want complete freedom in deciding the work from home uh, uh, aspect they don't want it to be regulated because it is new and evolving uh, model but all other countries have work from home or remote job regulation for a very long period so these are the uh, these are the uh, two different activities happened and when the service sector standing order came uh, the government completely ignored the uh, suggestions we have given and added the exact same demand what nascom or the employees union uh, demanded that no regulation on work from home whatever the company decides that is the work from home policy the government will not interfere so this is the activity we took and the outcome happened during this uh, period we uh, we were approached by employees of cognizant in the month of uh, i think uh, january uh that uh, they get a they got a notification from the employer that their work hours will be increased from 9 to 10 hours so 9 the work hour basically uh, as per indian law says 8 hours of work plus 1 hour of uh, rest <clears throat> so and the the 1 hour would be distributed across the 8 hours so the 9 uh, hours of work time or the work day is 9 hours and uh, because of the government regulation and the upcoming uh, labor codes the uh, company started a uh, lot of companies started announcing this uh, 10 hours work which would uh, increase uh, the uh, work time to 9 uh, hours and 1 hour break so this uh, change uh, or the the demand from the employees came from cognizant and that uh, this is something which uh, help us to stop so we started uh, 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 reading about it and uh, we uh, created a, uh, a simple economical and social impact this one hour increment will do to employees and to employ so uh, a single hour uh, in simple terms a single hour increase in the total employees of uh, cognizant earns a extra month revenue for the cognizant whereas uh, employees have no incentive for the increased hour they have to work for the same amount they were paid and they were uh, has to spend extra effort to uh, prolong the uh, day uh, work day but cognizant will get 13 months revenue instead of 12 months revenue by increasing single month so this was uh, well received by the employees and they understood it so they started uh, discussing about it they 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 had they were sharing our posters so uh, and uh, more request came uh, that we should do something uh, more than that so we went for a physical protest during the lockdown so uh, the physical protest uh, uh, because of the lack lockdown uh, police were uh, not ready to give so we used a uh, lot of help from other central trade unions and uh, uh, 
uh, we went for the protest and the protest was uh, successful we uh, uh, the theme we had was the right way to go six hours work uh, but uh, cognizant is taking 10 hours work which is not progressive and uh, that uh, reach that uh, got a social media reach of 10k uh, plus in in our uh, social media accounts and uh, uh, we started receiving a lot of uh, requests for membership and uh, uh, help from the cognizant employees after that so uh, that was one uh, event but uh, still the 10 hours work is continuing but uh, we were able to uh, campaign the uh, ill effects of it and uh, but still uh, uh, cognizant management has not uh, uh, yield uh, they did not yield because of the lack of numbers we have we even created a, a deep fake video uh, where uh, brian humphries brian is the ceo so brian uh, talk as if he is a, a employee ceo where right now he is acting as a directors or the majority shareholder ceo so uh, brian will uh, come and talk as if uh, the employees should or he will call the employees to uh, uh support the protest you will say it is uh, unjust uh, and how uh, the uh, company's uh, board of directors forced it on uh, the employees and he is not for it so he is also uh, supporting the protest Th- this video we uh, uh, with the help of our members we created and uh, once we put it live we we tagged brian and uh, immediately on the next day it was taken away due to copyright violation but uh, that was one uh, interesting uh, effort uh, and they, uh, our members were uh, happy doing about that uh, an employee ceo aspect so that was the cognizant protest and uh, people uh, from various companies were also protesting in favor of uh, cognizant employees because cognizant has a uh, clause uh, stating in their uh, employment agreement that their employee should not talk about the problems of the company outside in social media specifically so they have such a restrictive uh, unconstitutional uh, clauses so uh, our works uh, or our protest and uh, our works were very uh, very very much received similarly on the tcs issue uh, if you see the three uh, for three years a sexual harassment case is being uh, going on and the tcs management has not uh, ready to conclude it they are continuously delaying it so the tcs management has done lot of mistakes on the harassment how to handle it they were so insensitive and they they completely negated all the guidelines given by the vishaka committee for the uh, icc and they uh, continued uh, to hara- uh, enable the harasser to harass the uh, victim even after the complaints were filed so the victim uh, went into a deep depression and we uh, along with other union supported and uh, uh, the victim uh, and the, Uh, the survivor went to court uh, after that uh, labor court and uh, challenged the uh, tcs icc report so that challenge case is happening right now but what tcs management did is they uh, got a written letter from the survivor saying the survivor should not speak out on the uh, case going on so it is again a fundamental uh, constitutional violation but companies continue to do that so uh, they uh, stopped the employee to do that uh, and the employee is still currently working in the company so they told if you talk it will impact your employment so that is how the threatening happens so the what once i the case is continuously dragging on uh, the uh, the stress on the employee uh, the affected employee and uh, the uh, the employee's family is so uh, much that they they uh, they sometimes uh, 
uh, feel that they should not even uh, continue that and uh, nobody nothing can be cha- changed so uh, at uh, this point we we thought we'll have to do something and uh, the one one more hearing on uh, uh, i think uh, may may were uh, about to come uh, so we started may 6th uh, the hearing was about to come so we planned a camp uh, a protest agitation in social media with a placard and a photo so uh, multiple companies uh, employees took part and we started uh, uh, campaigning in the social media with photos and uh, we uh, uh, in the end of the day we uh, collated the reports and uh, shared it across the social media so by seeing that uh, most uh, unions from philippines who, who are basically it bpo uh, employees union they gave the solid solidarity and they even uh, uh, demanded tcs to fasten it similarly a union from uk reached out and uh, uh, gave the solidarity because of the protest employees did so uh, such a uh, uh, international coordination now happening because of the uh, protest protest uh, uh, happened against the uh, uh, employers attitude and uh, uh, we, we are trying to build a, a common platform where such, such kind of multinationals can be questioned across the uh, country across different countries when uh, uh, injustice happened deliberately so uh, these are the two important uh, Uh, protest we have done in this uh, lockdown period and uh, uh, this indicates that there is no uh, democracy in the workplace people don't have voice basically so cognizant employees cannot express that they are not uh, accepting this uh, arbitrary 10 hours decision there is no dialogue between the employer and the employee whatever employee employer employee employer decides it is uh, forced upon the employees but they are being called as associates they are not Uh, terming them as employees they are calling them as associates who part of their journey but uh, uh, the same case for uh, cts so tcs when the employee uh, even though tcs has ethics committee uh, so called and uh, they they uh, when the uh, affected survivor reached out to the ethics committee there's no help provided by them so the this shows that the employees without having a collective bargaining strength will always be even though they have better pay they will not be entertained by the employer as equals and will be dialogue so that is the important uh, problem we we are campaigning we are uh, trying to address by forming union in uh, state as well as we are trying to form union inside the companies during the first wave the lot of uh, uh, retrenchments happened illegal retrenchments happened which uh, from the companies who have enough money to uh, uh travel uh, or who have enough bank balance to uh, travel at least 2 to 3 years without any revenue so these companies uh, uh the employees uh, reached out to us uh, saying that uh, their company is forcing them to resign saying that they don't have a uh, job uh, f- to give them but uh, what what we find is they, they have enough uh, projects in hand they have enough uh, money in hand Uh, by their last 3 uh, years uh, annual reports which was published in uh, which are supposed to be published to the uh, uh, corporate affairs ministry and uh, some in some cases to their investors portal uh, as part of the sebi uh, regulation so through that we uh, uh, took the data and we uh, explained the employees that see this is how your company financial situation is and what they are say, telling you is like so you don't uh, yield to that you don't resign if you resign and uh, the the uh, right to protest or the right to challenge your uh, termination will be void 
so they uh, uh, we uh, introduced them to the industrial relationship uh, act so industrial relationship act uh, uh, gave them a perspective on what is right and what is not so uh, people stood their grounds and most of the companies had to uh, retract or at least uh, provide better compensation than immediate termination without any compensation so uh, companies provided 6 uh, months 2 months 3 uh, months compensation where they were uh, provide where they told they uh, they have to immediately relieve the job without any money and uh, the first pandemic was uh, very bad because they, there was no uh, economy at all when the uh, lockdown started there was no economical transaction and these companies uh, inhumanly made them uh, to uh, work uh, or to uh, resign the work uh, cons- uh, without considering what will happen to their uh, family and them especially uh, when uh, education health of their family members uh, depends on uh, single uh, uh, employee so uh, these are the cases and some cases are still going on uh, and uh, uh, because of the lockdown it is continuously uh, uh, being prolonged it's more than uh, one one and a half years now uh, since the cases are going on but still uh, employees are uh, understanding employees are uh, after that employees started reading or investing their time personal time to uh, read labor laws and the upcoming labor so those uh, employees who are affected are the ones who are now leading the uh, labor code uh, 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 reading sessions and uh, they are the ones who are simplifying it and uh, uh, campaigning among the social the social media circle unite circle unlike unite pratidhwani focused on assuaging the employment uncertainty of the pandemic through job related skilling and attempts to streamline the employment market ടെക്നിക്കൽ ഫോറത്തിന്റെ അഭിമുഖത്തിൽ മെയിൻ ആയിട്ട് രണ്ട് പ്രോഗ്രാം കണ്ടിന്യൂസ്ലി നടക്കണം ഒന്ന് ഈ ഓൺലൈൻ സെഷൻസ് ആണ് അതായത് പുതിയ അത് നമ്മളൊരു കഴിഞ്ഞ വൺ ഇയർ കൊണ്ട് അതായത് ഈ ലോക്ക്ഡൌൺ കഴിഞ്ഞ ടു തൗസൻഡ് ട്വന്റി മാർച്ച് തൊട്ട് ഈ ലോക്ക്ഡൌൺ വരെ നമ്മൾ അറൌണ്ട് സിക്സ്റ്റി ടു സെഷൻസ് ചെയ്തു training therana before the lockdowns we would do it in techno park in the hall with more than 200 participants techno park in the hall now it has moved online around 200 employees direct participate cheyirunna program aanu ipo adu online like maari nallu appo ipo oru innale nadathathu project management inde sessions aanu adu oru naal session ullo oru series aayittu nadathana adinte first session innale irunnu ജോബ്സ് 
It gets around 30 to 40,000 applications every month. Our rough estimate is that around 400 people get jobs through this portal every month. Initially, it was a separate portal for those who lost jobs due to the pandemic, collecting and sending their profiles to employers. Around 100 people got jobs through that process. Now employers are suggesting features and we are upgrading the portal. ജോലി <laughs> The technical forum also conducts a freshers forum. There are not many jobs in the market for those who are recently qualified software engineers, partly because education in colleges has also moved online. So we are planning some programs for them too that include bridge training to join the industry. നമ്മുടെ ജോബ് പോർട്ടൽ വഴിയും പിന്നെ നമ്മൾ കുറെ ഗ്രൂപ്പ്സ് ക്രിയേറ്റ് ചെയ്ത് ടെലിഗ്രാമിലൊക്കെ ഗ്രൂപ്പ് ഉണ്ട് അതായത് ഫ്രഷർ ജോബ് ഓപ്പണിങ്സ് ഈ ഫ്രഷറായിട്ടുള്ള ആളുകളിലേക്ക് എത്തിക്കാനായിട്ട് നമ്മളൊരു സ്ട്രീം ലൈൻ ചെയ്ത ഒരു പ്രോസസ്സ് കൊണ്ടുവന്നിട്ടുണ്ട് പിന്നെ ഒരു പ്രധാന പ്രോഗ്രാം നമ്മൾ നടത്തി കോവിഡ് വാർ റൂം കൂടുതലാണ് വീട്ടിലെ എൻവയോൺമെന്റും വീട്ടിലെ കാര്യങ്ങളും നോക്കണം വർക്കും എല്ലാം കൂടെ അപ്പൊ അതിന് ഹെൽപ്പ് ചെയ്യാൻ വേണ്ടിട്ട് പരിപാടി ഉണ്ടായിരുന്നു ഇപ്പൊ കറന്റ്ലി നടക്കുന്ന ഒരു ഡിജിറ്റൽ ചലഞ്ച് എന്ന് പറഞ്ഞിട്ടൊരു പ്രോഗ്രാം വാങ്ങിയിട്ട് 
We received the first stock of 30 firms yesterday and these will be distributed in the next two days. We have received more than 200 requests so far and we want to deliver to at least 100 of them. Last year, we had a TV for the last year. We had a TV for the phone. We had a phone for the mobile phone. We had a target program for the So apart from advocating for their interests, Prithidhwani also organizes IT workers for a larger role in the wider world through volunteering and through public-spirited philanthropy. All of these organizations want to make work in India's IT industry less precarious. But when it comes to challenging power in the technology industry and charting out a fairer, more just direction for it, there is more ambition in groups such as AIITEU, UNITE and the Tech Workers Coalition. That brings us to the end of this episode and this two-part series on labor organizing in tech. Thanks once again to our guests Devika Narayan, Jai Vipra, Alagunambi Velkin, Vineet Chandran and the founding member of the Tech Workers Coalition in Bangalore who did not want to be named. My name is Aju John and I thank you for listening to this episode of the Nagrik Podcast. Podcast.